What if I told you for $1, I would introduce you to many different entrepreneurs this week. From all across the country, you'll be able to talk to many different entrepreneurs, and I'll coach you for $1 this whole week. And I'll introduce you to my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you take part of that? Well, go to morningmindsetcoffee.com because that's exactly what we're doing here. It's the only organization that gathers entrepreneurs for the betterment of entrepreneurship every single day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern. We get together, we're growing, we're learning, we're leveling up, we're building on our network, we're building on our net worth, we're earning, we're reading. We got a book club. You'll see a bunch of entrepreneurs coming together, reading the same books every single day, growing together. You need that environment to grow. MorningMindsetCoffee.com. One dollar. I'm going to give you all of this for one dollar. If you want to stay, great. It's $50 a month after that. But right now, we're still running a seasonal promotion where I think the price is somewhere around $25. So get it before the price changes again. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want. All right? MorningMindsetCoffee.com. I'll see you in the morning. So what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Internet's number one success podcast, Into the Mind, where we break down and analyze the characteristics, strategies, and stories of successful entrepreneurs, investors, and high achievers so that together we can learn from their mistakes, be inspired by their victories, and replicate their formulas for success. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, former parkour athlete turned real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I am on a mission to become a multimillionaire before 30 so that I can teach others how to do the same. So today, my guest is actually a man that I've been, funny enough, like we've been in the same circles and we've been connecting, but we haven't had an opportunity to really sit down one-on-one. We go out on hikes every other Sunday with Zach Keebs. We're a part of the same Go-Giver Mastermind. And about a week or two ago, I was just like listening to a little bit about what he's doing in the business. And I was just like, holy schmoly, like, I need to know your story. I need to know what's going on. And what he does is he invests with purpose. So I'm not even going to begin to really dive into fully because I'm going to be learning his story live today with everybody else. So my guest is Patrick Legginsoff. And I hope I'm saying your last name right because I've never seen that last name ever in my life. That was actually perfect. You've nailed it better than anybody ever. Uh, one time somebody did say legends off and I was like, dang, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> like That was spot on. Perfect, man. So, yeah, bro. Well, yo, welcome to the show, Patrick. What I want to do, because I really like this is like a first time deep dive with me for you. So I want to know a little bit before we even start getting into real estate. Right. I actually want to know a little bit about like your personal story. You know, like what brought you into real estate? You go by the name Sober Investor. Like I want to know the story behind that name as well. All right. So uh, I grew up in uh, in Maryville here locally. It's uh, not the best area. It's not the worst area. Uh, It is a rough area. Uh, My parents were uh, divorced. Um, My mom was a drug addict growing up. I didn't know it at the time, but um, there, I mean, now that I know what I know now, um, I grew up, my first love in life was uh, basketball. Uh, My next door neighbor was actually my basketball coach from age like five up to 11. And I fell in love with basketball. Um, But uh, I grew up in like the neighborhood that I grew up in, it was gang infested. There was a lot of uh, shady characters and um, I didn't get involved in that gang thing necessarily. Um, but my friends and things like that did. And all of my best friends lived down the street from me. They were three years older than me that all had three, uh, their brothers were all three years older than them. So I got to experience a lot of things at a young age. Um, I did try uh, smoking uh, weed for like the first time at nine years old. And then I got into uh, the harder stuff at like age 11. And from, uh, I got really involved with it. I got addicted and it was a thing where I would do school. And then in the summer times I would get in trouble. I'd go to juvie and then I would get put on probation. So you had to be on the straight area on probation. So from the age 12 to 17, every summer I was in juvenile detention. I was addicted to drugs. I was in a, a really crazy life. My mom, she was addicted to drugs. She wasn't there too much. She was involved in her own thing. We lived with my grandmother. I love my grandmother. She was basically, I mean, she was everything to me. Um, 
So yeah, in and out of juvenile detention. But uh, when I was in school, I was still able to play basketball. I became like a dealer and did all of this stuff. And uh, about age 17, man, stuff got like really, really hard for me. My mom ended up going to prison. Uh, my grandmother, uh, I pretty much turned her house into a drug house and, um, and got involved with some crazy people. My grandmother actually ended up passing away. And so I had no supervision, no nothing. I'm 17 years old with the house and I'm just continuing in that bad lifestyle of things. And my uncle ended up kicking me out. I'm living on the streets at age 17. Um, my dad, he was in and out of my, not in and out of my life. I've, um, about the age of five, I seen him, the age of 10, I seen him. And then from the age of 13 to, uh, like 16, 17, I would see him, uh, one, one or two weeks in the summer. Um, but after I was living on the streets, um, some very bad characters didn't want me around anymore. I made a phone call to my dad. My dad flew me out to Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, my dad knew about the lifestyle. He knew I was involved in, and uh, when I got there, he pretty much said, hey, you got three weeks to find your own place, get a job, and I have my own things here. He had uh, my two little sisters at the time, and he was just like, hey, I can't have that uh, type of stuff around me. So uh, within that three weeks, I found a job. Um, I uh, had got my own place. Things were going good. And I ended up getting a bar back position. And that bar back uh, position, the first thing it came with was a shot and some drugs. So uh, I was off and running uh, in Tennessee. I wasn't as, as bad um, as I was in Arizona, but it was still, I was addicted to alcohol, addicted to that lifestyle. I was making great money but just uh, leading down a very dark road. Um, within that time frame, uh, I was in Tennessee at age 18, and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse, and I just got addicted. I wasn't able to hold a job. And um, in that time frame of 18 to like age 22, I ended up getting three felonies, um, just doing like... Uh, uh, possession of drugs and things like that. And, um, I, I got tired of it in Tennessee. Um, I was getting held at gunpoint. People just don't play around in Tennessee. I ended up calling my mom. My mom is out of prison at this time and she's actually sober and telling me how amazing her life is and things like that. And I just want to get out of Tennessee. I'm like, yeah, I'll do the sober thing. Just find me out there. So she flew me back out here to Arizona and it took two weeks to get right back to where I was when I left Arizona. Um, so I did that for another year or so. And I got to the point where I just got tired of being sick and tired and I reached out for help and um, nobody was taking my phone call at that time. My mom wasn't taking my phone call. My dad wasn't taking my phone call. Nobody was taking my phone call. My mom was actually a uh, manager of this place called uh, Mandalay. It was a sober living. It had 42 people at this small nine cottage facility and I got to meet people there and um, I'll get back to that. So I met some people there. Nobody's taking my phone call. Somebody who I met there, I called them. They came and picked me up. They took me to a detox. I ended up not wanting to go there. They let me crash on their bed or their couch. And I turned myself into uh, rehab. And in that rehab, um, it showed me AA. Um, it showed me a new way. It showed me um, how to live sober. And um, I did mess up one more time. I relapsed one more time, but I got right back into it. Um, and I ended up, uh, my I met who is now my wife. I met my wife inside that very rehab. She actually celebrates nine years today sober. And we just celebrated uh, almost nine, it's about to be nine years together. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, I ended up meeting her and um, turning this, my whole life over to this AA thing and trying to do it a new way and learning how to live sober. And 
that um, started my, uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted to be successful. I wanted my own business. And in a sense, what I was doing in my past life, I was controlling my own hours and controlling my own fate and money, but now I can do it a a legal way. So uh, that got me started in the right direction from my past. (laughs) Man, first off, I got like, I straight up got chills while you were telling that story, man. Because like, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but like just your authenticity, right? The fact that like you're just showing up genuine, you're sharing that story. First off, thank you for that. Because what that does for so many people is it like you give them the ability to share their authentic selves, right? Because sometimes like a story like that, most people don't want to share that, right? We don't ever want to share kind of the harder times, the darker times. Everyone just wants to share the highlight reel of life, which I'm all for. Like, please like share your highlight reels. I'm like, let's celebrate together. However, it's like an illusion that we don't all go through something, right? And I mean, like, dude, like that's a young age, man. Like nine, like starting that life at nine, you know, that's pretty crazy. So I'm curious to know, right? As you were like going through all of this, right? And like, before you get to the point where you check yourself in and like, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, I like, I want to know from like your point of view, while you were living in it, you know, I know like with the addiction, like with drug use, like things are a little bit warped, but where was your mind at like in the middle of it all? Because, and the reason I asked this, I'm going to like phrase it as well, or like, um, you know, the reason I ask is because I think there are people that are currently in the middle of like that moment right now. And they are like, well, it's easy for you to say now, like if you've been sober for nine years, like you don't remember, like, what was it like in the middle of it? So, I mean, right now, and you could be at the beginning of this, like when I was in that 15, 16, 17 years old, man, I wanted to be uh, El Chapo. I wanted to be Scarface. I was going to build my empire. I was going to sell this, sell that. And that's what I was working towards. And it was fun in the beginning. It was super fun. Like to be the man, everybody's coming to you for this, that, and the other, but then there is that switch that happens where this that just stops being fun, where now you're depending on alcohol. You're trying, you're waking up and you have to drink alcohol or you have to do that substance just to get through your day. And then once you stop, once you start running out of the supply, you notice these fair weather people are all disappearing from you. They no longer, now that you don't have something that they want, they're gone. And in the mix of it, I thought I was going to be this El Chapo. And again, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and build that thing up. But then it it switched where now I'm depending on this. And now it's my everyday life. It's not fun anymore. Now I'm seclusive. I'm drinking alone in my room. I'm doing this alone. And there's nobody around me. And it gets really lonely. And and there's nobody around and nobody that wants to be a part of that. And um, so then you have that switch. And I mean, it might be really fun in the beginning, but now that I am sober and my mindset at the end of that, like this isn't fun anymore. I, I, I'm nobody wants to be around me. That's that I'm that guy that is just that nobody wants to be around. And then you get to that mind frame. Once you're sober a little bit, you start seeing how much clearer your mind is. And you start seeing how fun life can be without a substance. And it, it's a, it's a total mind thing. And um, of course, the book, I mean, you you have a book club and the book, even if you think that you're not an addict and you want just the insight, the uh, AA book, the 12 steps, um, just the first couple of chapters, you'll if you um if you connect with anything that's saying you might be, I mean, it's hard for some people to say, but I know a few big names in the Arizona market that have completely stopped and their game is freaking, they've almost uh, quadrupled in a year of just stopping their, uh, just stop drinking. And they say how clear their mind is, man, I can't, can't believe I didn't do this sooner. Yeah. You know, well, it's interesting too, right? Because and because I want to like start to bring it over to like your entrepreneurship, right? Because it's interesting where there's a lot of entrepreneurs that we find there is an addictive personality. However, it's a matter of what we set the target on, right? Because when we see like our, like if you ask me like Kobe Bryant, addictive personality, LeBron James, addictive personality, Michael Jordan, they, like these guys, the thing that they chose, their medium, their outlet was basketball. Right. So then it just becomes now, what are we picking? Is it something that is able to build or is it something that's destructive? You know, so it sounds like you got to the place where you were tired of like, you know what, this is not working. 
right? You were self-reflective and you realized this isn't working. I'm not enjoying this. You decide to change and you decide to get sober, which is insane, man. Like seriously, like congrats. And the fact that it's your wife's anniversary for nine years, like that's insane, dude. Like, so seriously, congratulations. So now as you start the the sobriety, right, as you enter into that journey, I'm I'm sure that was a challenge. I like to always say something that I I learned from reading a book. I learned this from the 5 a.m. club that change comes in three steps. In the beginning, it's hard. In the middle, it's messy. But at the end, it's beautiful. You know, so as you're starting this change and you're stepping into sobriety, you know, where's your mind going? Like, what are you now focusing your attention on? Uh, so what I found out while I was in rehab, not that only that I was addicted to substances, but I was also addicted to money. Um, and, uh, money was a huge motivator for me. And again, like you said, it wasn't easy in the beginning because my whole life from the age of nine to 23, that's all I knew. That's how I was able, I'm an, I mean, some of you guys don't know, I'm an introvert. Uh, it's hard for me to strike, strike up a conversation, but once you get that liquid encouragement, now you can walk up to somebody, you can talk, you can do these things. I had to learn how to do these things without it. So it was very hard in the beginning, trying to be social without a substance. So I got to learn that, but in the, while I'm doing that, I'm a self-motivator, I'm an introvert and I could, and uh, my wife, who is my wife now, me and her are so so tight and so alike that I'm good with just me and her no matter what. So uh, I then turned my focus to money and that's not necessary. I did start a, my first year of sobriety, I started a vaping business. Um, And then um, while doing that vaping business, what my dad taught me when I first went out there is the serving industry. If you're a server or bartender and you can make good money, you can kind of work your own times and you can take it anywhere. Once you learn that industry, you can take it to any state and anywhere you go. So that's, I went back to what I knew and I did catering for uh, hotels. I did private catering. I did a serving job and a bartender. I had five different jobs I was working in my first year of sobriety. And so I just put my whole focus, like you said, the addiction, I put my addiction into working, work, 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 money, 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 and putting some of that money into the vaping business. The first year that vaping business did extremely well. And then it was just all downhill from there because everybody, it was like a race to the bottom. Everybody was cutting each other's throw there. It was just, everybody was stepping on everybody. And it was still me trying to chase that first year. But um, again, it wasn't easy learning, but once I started learning and started having fun, started meeting people with the, like we do with these masterminds, that's what AA meetings are. You go and find like-minded people that are trying to get sober, that have been through some of the stuff that you've been through. And now you guys are on a mission to make your lives better. And it was, AA is just a small mastermind for sober people. It was was cool. Yeah, I love that. It's funny because there's, um, I forget who I read it from, but they actually, it was a book on personal development and they actually said a lot of the principles, it was atomic habits. I believe actually they spoke about a lot of the principles that that book speaks on are the same exact principles used in AA for when forming new habits, forming new patterns of just how to live and how to function. And it makes sense, right? Because you've got to reprogram yourself. Like essentially you had to do the hard work of changing your identity, right? Like you had to become a more evolved version of yourself. Like you had to constantly keep getting better which is throwing yourself back into a fire. So you start focusing, you start taking that energy, you start pouring it into entrepreneurship, which is funny because like it literally, like as you're saying this, it reminds me of um, like Grant Cardone. Like if anyone ever knows his story, like very similar story where he just starts taking his, like what he realizes, like I have an addictive personality. Where else can I put this so that it builds? So you do the vaping that starts going downhill because folks aren't about collaboration. You have the skill set of catering and going out and serving, which I can respect. I've been like, I worked in a catering hall from the time I was 13 years old until I was about like 24. So it's just like absolute hustle, but I freaking love it or loved it. Um, So as you're going through that process, you know, what was happening? Was it working out for you? Were you deciding that you wanted something else? So uh, in that process, and I, I like how you brought up, because I always tell people the principles that I learned in AA, go-givers, this, it's the same thing. It's the same mentality. It teaches you how to live. And, and in the AA principles, you uh, take and give to somebody else what was so freely given to you. You take 
what we call sponsees. You take them through the steps and what was taught to you, you teach to them and you go outside yourself and you try to do as much for them as you possibly can that they're willing to meet you 50-50 on. And then when I read that book, The Go-Giver, I was like, man, it's the same principle. So it was cool. Um, There you go. That's my favorite. That's the book I've gifted the most for sure. Um, So the work thing, it was amazing. Um, but my wife and I, we've only argued three big arguments in nine years. And it was because she didn't have enough of my time. So, um, I'm a workaholic, I'm addicted to money and I had to work on that, but still I wanted, if I'm not going to make this money now, I don't want to, I mean, I want to make this money now, not later. I want to build this vaping empire. I wanted to do all these things and you need money to do these things. So it worked out. I mean, I did the whole grind man for five years of uh, the vaping thing. I kept that alive. It was still making me money and I was still thinking other ways. And um, it came to a point where um, I stopped going to AA. I was dry for four years because what happens a lot of times you get this amazing life and you put that stuff on the uh, pause and you kind of put it on the sideline and I was having a great life. We just bought a house. All these amazing things are happening, but there was something missing uh, from what I was doing. And it was, I'm living this amazing life, but I'm not giving back. Like the principles taught me, I need to give this thing back. And my wife keeps fighting for my time. So I made a decision that I'm going to not, uh, and my sponsor that I was working with at the time pretty much said, Hey, you need to put God, AA, then family, then work. Um, you have to put them in that order. And so I started really working on that. So I decided that I wasn't going to be a workaholic. Um, this is 2019. I was going to put my full focus. I've, God was always first, but I was going to put my full focus into AA and family. And uh, let me tell you, 2019 was my hardest year financially, but it was my best year family-wise. I was there for my kids' events. I was there for my wife. I was there for our daughter. It was amazing. And then I fully threw myself into AA and helping other people. And by the end of all of that, that's when the whole real estate thing comes in. Man, Patrick, like you were seriously like, you're giving me goosebumps, bro. Like, because one, and like, I like that the conversation is going here because I want to emphasize, you know, and I'm never going to tell people what to believe, but like putting God first, like that's an important thing. You know, like that this year when I made my goals, put God first was at the top of the list. So I like that you have that. And I like that you prioritize the order of which important things came because the, the chronological order matters. I think sometimes people miss that, right? I think we all go through a phase where we know, Hey, your finances are important. Your family is important. Your friends are important. Your relationships important. Cleaning the car is important, right? But if I go and I clean the car first, and that's all I focus on all day. Now, everything else in my life gets the leftover energy, right? I'm not properly prioritizing, right? So it's really important that we properly prioritize. So I love that you had it in that order where it's God, AA, family, then work. And oftentimes, we this work one seems to somehow sneak its way back into the front and we just let it. So it takes conscious effort for all of us. Like, And I'm happy that you know, you're able to say like, no, like it really does take conscious effort. And although it may have been a tougher year financially, you said it was a better year. One of the best years from that place of, it sounds like family, spirituality, spirituality, and AA, which is phenomenal. Cause I think when you take care of those things first, there's another reward that comes on the back end, but like, you kind of have to pay the cost up front. Like you never get the benefit on the back without paying the cost up front. Absolutely. And a lot of people uh, from the outside looking in, they see God and then AA, but I just want to know if it wasn't for AA, if I wasn't sober, I wouldn't have the family, I wouldn't have the wife and I wouldn't have the job. So AA has to come uh, before those because without that, then I wouldn't have the rest. So um, I love that. People are like, uh, but I'm like, yeah. Well, you know, and again, (laughs) like it makes sense. And this is like actually, and I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, right? Because I, I stress the importance of this. Because, you know, most of us that we want to give back to people, right? We have a mindset, like anyone that's ever picked up the book, The Go-Giver, and like we recognize we love giving, like that's a part of our nature. It's a part of our makeup. However, we recognize that in order to give responsibly, 
in order to give sustainably, we have to first take care of ourselves, right? So we've got to put some focus back on us first. And essentially, we have to fill our cup up or we have to go to where our cup gets filled before we can pour into others. And that sometimes gets lost. It feels a little, you know, selfish. And it's funny because by taking care of number one, you're actually able to take care of number two, right? In a much better way. Whereas if we give, and I learned this, it's like a sacrificial giving. If you're giving and you feel like it's a sacrifice, you're, you're putting out the wrong energy. You're putting out like a scarcity energy and you're hurting yourself. And it's not something that you could continue to do. But if we take care of ourselves first, like you said, like put AA first, you're actually in a place where you could continuously show up for your family day and day and day again. It's like, I love that, man. Absolutely. And I do say I have to take care of number one first, because if without me, and that's not only, I mean, financially, but that's also mentally, if I'm in a bad place, I, I, I can't give you the advice or be in the right state of mind to be able to uh, pass on something if I'm in a just bad space all around for myself. Yeah, that's a big thing. So, so wow. So 2019, you're, you're going through this process of really like your wife is telling you, honey, I need more time. Like the money's cool, whatever, but I didn't come to you for that. I, it's funny. Like we think time is money. We realize time is everything. Right. Especially like when our family starts telling us that they don't want any more of our money, they want our time. So you start to realize, all right, something has to change. And so you immediately turn to real estate. Like how how did that progression come where you started to realize something had to change? And what was the solution that you found for yourself? Um, so I was still doing uh, some catering and I was still doing some serving. And, um, but I wasn't working, I wasn't even working close to 40 hours. I was giving them time. And, uh, again, with the go-giver mentality, the AA mentality, the more you give to somebody, the more in return it comes. And just things were just getting laid out in front of me. That was God and, uh, just doing the right next thing. And, uh, when I told you I'd go back to it. So my mom, she ran the sober living that I was going to when I wasn't so sober, but she had this 42 bed property. And she shared with me the numbers to this property. So the sober living, they were charging, uh, I think like $175, $200 a bed um, at this 42 bed facility. I started running the numbers in my head and I knew what she was getting paid. I seen the overhead and this place was making, uh, it was grossing over half a million dollars. It was grossing like 600,000 and it was making like net profit, like 450 to 500. So that piqued my interest then into real estate. So once I started slowing down, the vaping company wasn't going so well. And I knew that I wanted to go to a different direction. And the sober living thing was always in the back of my mind, but I was the type of individual. I don't want to have to depend on anybody for information. So um, I didn't want to have to go to a real estate agent to let me know that this is the value of this house in this area or whatever. So I was just like, I'm going to get my real estate license and do this sober living thing. Uh, Before I took the test, um, uh, I read online like, hey, you might be able to get your real estate license while being a felon. I spent all the money, took all of the tests, and I went to go do another web search and said, hey, you probably can't get your real estate license being a felon. So um, I did the work to get my record set aside. Here in Arizona, you can't get your record expunged, but you can get it set aside. So I had passed all the tests. I did all of that um, about the end about, uh, let's say, August, uh, October, I had passed the test. And I started the process of getting my uh, record set aside. Um, and so I started doing the real estate thing. Um, do you have, uh, I don't, should I go into the next segment of where? Yeah, man, me? I'm like, cause you got me, like I'm on this train with you right now. Like, cause immediately the person that's coming to my head is like, man, obstacles do not stop this guy. Like some people would get an obstacle in their way and let's be like, oh man, like can't be done. And it's like you got an obstacle in your way and you're like, all right, well, what do I got to do to go around this? And I just want to give uh, trophies where they're due. So my wife, to start that vaping company in 2013, we used our uh, tax money that we got back. She let me use the majority of that to start up the vaping business. 
to get my license and all that. Like I said, 2019 was our worst year financially. We had some savings. She let me use every drop of uh, savings to go take the test and do all of that. Um, and then, uh, so I'm waiting to get my test. I'm still serving. I'm still catering. So I'm on my way. I do big mansion parties and big corporate events is where I do my catering, bartending to make good money. I'm on my way to this mansion. I, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make some good money. I get a phone call from my boss. She's like, I am so sorry. Are you willing to go over to this address over here? I look up the address. It's a $4 million mansion. I'm like, okay, I'll go do this. Um, and mind you, I'm, this is probably like December, uh, December that I'm going to go do this party and December 2019. Um, I forget who it's I'll, I'll tell, I'm going to drop the name. It's his uh, birthday. So, um, it, I think it's December time and, um, I'm waiting for my charges to be set aside so I can get my license. I'm setting up my bar. There's a cornhole game. And on the cornhole game is this logo of a, you could tell it's a roof and some letters. I look up the company real quick and it's Stunning Homes Realty. And the guy who owns Stunning Home Realty is named Steve Trang. And it just so happens my contact at this party while I'm setting up the bar is Steve Trang. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to make small talk. So I was like, so you, you, you're in real estate. And at this, mind you, at this point, I don't know any verbiage. I don't know how to talk real estate. I'm not in it yet. And he looks at me and is just like, yeah, I own a brokerage. Why do you ask? And I was like, oh, I'm a, I have my real estate. I think I told him I have my real estate license. And I, he was like, who do you hang your license with? Oh, I haven't hung my license yet. And he was just like, do you really, it, it was his 40th birthday party. So uh, he was like, do you realize the largest names in the country is going to be at this party tonight. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy, right? So uh, I'm setting up my bar, I'm behind my bar. So I know this is a real estate event. So every person that comes up to my bar, I'm asking them, hey, what do you do in real estate? And mind you, I'm getting goosebumps right now. So I'm paying attention to everything around me. Over here is this guy named Jamil Damji. He's talking about, he just sold a nine unit for 1.2 million. There's Templeton Walker over here saying, oh, I just got done flipping three houses. And then Elijah, freaking all these massive names in the industry are at this party talking about astro flipping and flipping houses and selling nine units and doing all this stuff. Like I've been looking on the internet and I hear about flipping and astro flipping and it sounds like a huge gimmick to me. And you hear all of these people talking, they're actually living it and talking it. And this is mind blowing to me. I'm like, I need to be a part of this group. And at this time, I don't know the whole surround yourself, your networks, your network. I don't, I don't know all that. I just know I want to be involved with these guys. At the end of the party, uh, Steve, he, uh, I didn't have my phone on me. You have to turn your phones off at these events, but I, uh, he gave me his business card and he said, let's talk Monday about hanging your license here. And at mind you at this point in time, my, uh, my charges haven't been set aside yet. I lose his business card. I lose it. And so the Monday I'm supposed to reach out to him. I lose his business card. I'm checking daily for my charges to see if they've been set aside. Um, that Monday I was supposed to meet him. That Thursday, I get the notification. My charges have been set aside. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I go to the board to see if they approve me to get my license. They approve me. And then I find his business card that weekend, call him Monday. And then I go into, uh, I go into his brokerage, interview him. He interviews me and I hang my license with Stunning Home Realty. Look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but you all asked for it and it's finally here. We finally created a space for us to come together every day and have these kinds of conversations. Not just be a fly on the wall and listen, but actually be in the room talking to one another, throwing ideas back and forth about mindset, business, entrepreneurship, growth, the books we're reading, the conferences we're going to, the conferences we're hosting, everything under the sun that has to do with entrepreneurship. You name it, we're talking about it. That's right, morningmindsetcoffee.com. 
every day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern. We're getting together with entrepreneurs from all over the world so that we can grow together. You heard it a million times over. Your network is your net worth. So for $1, you can get into a room that will change your life. What are you waiting for? MorningMindsetCoffee.com. I'll see you in the morning. Now back to the episode. Dude, that's, <laughs> yo, that's insane. All right, because I like, I think that's like a, like a universal, like a God thing, like the manifestation thing. Like when we want something, we start to attract the opportunities to us. Because here you were, like you were driving to another location. You get that phone call and the home you end up in is Steve Trang's of all the houses to end up in. Like for somebody that's aspiring to step into real estate, like that doesn't just happen. Like that's not a coincidence, you know? So holy crap. Like I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like for everyone, I'm happy you said that too. Like the power of proximity, right? The power of actually being in physical proximity to certain people to see that it's real, to realize like this vibration is a real thing. This energy is a real thing that you connect with people. You stick around them, birds of a feather flock together. Like we hear these sort of things and you're now getting to experience it on the opposite side, right? You had one side where you were hanging out with, you know, let's say a group of, we'll call it knuckleheads growing up. And now it's like, Hey, I'm hanging out with a group of like these people that are doing this thing that I thought was totally a scam, but here they are showing that it's real. So you step into Steve's office the following Monday. So not even the Monday after the following Monday, interview him, hang the brokerage. And like from there, what was it like? Cause it's interesting. I want to emphasize this. You went on the agent side and Steve is an agent investor. And most of the guys at the, um, at that party were probably most likely investors, you know, and there's such a different world between the two agents and investors. So what ended up happening that I had to have been a pretty interesting mix. So it gets better. So I'm trying to do, uh, I'm going to start doing this agent thing, but um, as you know, Steve Trang, uh, one of the top sales coaches, but he also has a, a massive uh, wholesaling operation. And I just want to be involved in whatever he's involved in. My wife, we took a loan against a credit card, $5,000 to pay for his course. And God, so um, me never been in wholesaling in my life, never made a cold call in my life, not knowing the business whatsoever. This is two weeks in me having my license type of thing. And you have people coming from all over the country to come to his, uh, disruptor course to refine their wholesaling operation. And here, here I am just like, uh, I'm here. It was a fire hose of information and I got to meet a whole bunch of people. I took it all in and this is where it gets even great. Like I knew he was teaching me the wholesaling thing, but my passion is I wanted to do sober living. So I'm hitting the phones, calling uh, for sale by owners, for rent by owners, my bad, for rent by owners saying, hey, I have this idea. Are you, can I do this? I'll rent your property. Everybody's telling me, no, I'm not going to let you run a sober living. A sober living generally is putting 10 people in a five bedroom house and renting, uh, putting two beds per room and renting the beds out. Nobody liked the idea that I was going to make more money than them. And it was all ex drug addicts trying to get better. So I'm taking his, uh, I'm taking his um, course and I took the disruptor and I acted on it. I put action in, I start doing the mass text messages. I'm doing some cold calling uh, I get this deal, what I think is a deal. It's a $600,000 a house. I do the comps. I'm like, this thing is worth 800,000. I got a deal here. I got a deal. And I go to the brokerage. All those guys are wholesale guys. And they say, Hey, you need reach out to this guy, reach out to this guy. I don't know who this guy is. His name is Zach keeps. I send him this deal and he's like, uh, yeah, I'll look at it. I'm still serving at the, I'm still at the serving job. And again, this is January. Uh, this is the end of January. This is happening. An hour later, after sending that deal in, this guy walks into my restaurant with a dozen of white bouquet. It's a roses, dozen white roses. I look at him. I'm like, why? Why does he look familiar, man? I don't understand. Why does he look familiar? I go back and I look up who I just sent that deal to. It's Zach Keeps comes into my restaurant, sits in somebody else's uh, section. I pay that guy. I'm like, I'll pay you money to wait on that guy. 
I paid him some money to wait on that guy. And um, I'm like, oh my God, are you Zach Keeps? He's like, yeah, hell yeah. It was his mom's birthday. Um, so I pitch him the idea of this sober living thing. He's at first, he's like, I don't know. And I'm talking to him the entire time. Um, I get to sing happy birthday to his mom. I take care of their dessert for them. And at the end of the conversation, after he did turn me down at first, he's like, I'm not sure if I want to do that. At the end of it, he's like, I like you. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Show up at this address with a cashier's check tomorrow and I'll give you a chance. And I did. And that was my uh, first sober living February 1st. My first sober living. Uh, I started. Yo, let's go. All right. So <laughs> we, we got a lot to unpack right there because man, that's freaking cool because what I want to highlight. So like, I love when I'm listening. Cause I'm just like, Holy crap. Like that's a gem. That's a gem. That's a gem. What you said here. And like what I heard is essentially you weren't, you went in, you started taking action. Like, first off, like you showed up to Steve's, right? Most people get a business card, put it down, never do anything with it, right? There's no sort of follow-up. There's no sort of follow-through. So you followed up, followed through. Then you actually invested in yourself and it was a true investment. Like you truly bet on yourself. The fact that you took an advance against the credit card, right? Like that's like putting your money where your mouth is like, God, I want to emphasize to anyone listening right now, change will be uncomfortable. When you are doing something new that you've never done before and you're in a position that you think about it, when you're trying to get somewhere new, that means you're not in the position to do the new thing you're doing yet. Like you're, you got to make some difficult choices. So you made this difficult choice. You invest in yourself to get educated, to be around the right people, to learn a new skill set. You start making the calls. You start sending the text messages. You're just, you're very coachable. It sounds like you're just, they're telling you to jump. You're like, all right, I'm jumping. How high? And you're doing this and you come across a deal. You're like, I think it's a deal. You send it out to a real buyer, AKA Zach Keeb. Shout out Zach, like freaking amazing human being. And see, this is where like the God stuff starts coming. This is where the manifestation, this is where like, there are going to be things that happen to us that we can't always explain that will just seem like coincidence. And I'm like, I don't think it's coincidence. Zach actually walks in. And this is what I love. You actually shoot your shot. Right. Like you actually find your other waiter, be like, yo, bro, like, let me take that section over. You actually pay someone to let me take that section over and you actually start to shoot your shot. And I can already see Zach saying like no to something like that, but because of your energy, because of who you showed up as. Right. And I want to emphasize this because I I had to say this to a couple of people over the weekend. So hopefully some new people are listening to this right now, which is we all know we should be investing in things, right? We want to invest in real estate, invest in stocks, invest in business and all that good stuff. However, the number one thing we should ever be investing in is ourselves, right? Like when I look and I'm like, you know what? Yes, sober living is cool, but Patrick, Patrick's the goose that lays the golden egg. Like he's the investment. He's the one that turns the, the magic on. And that's what we have to realize. Like the people, like we can all look at a house equally, but depending on who the individual is, that's going to be where the magic comes from. So I love it. Zach tells you, show up to the location. He gives you a shot. And what happened from there? Like, was it like smooth sailing for the rest of forever? Was it like fall flat in the face? Like I, and I genuinely don't know. Um, it, it was rough for the first couple of months to, to get my bearings. I hired a gentleman that had a lot of experiences, a lot of experience. And he was the sergeant that I needed, the strict, strict, strict guy. And I went from one uh, sober living to 10 uh, by August. So I had 10 sober livings. I ended up getting a contract from a local company and um, they were paying me to keep my houses open only for them. And um, I, they were, they were paying me like $10,000 a month, whether I had zero people in there or if I had 10 people in there. So starting off, they did a, I did a five house contract with these guys. So in my first year, I got this contract. I'm making good money on the sober living. So my first year, I ended up grossing about half a million uh, just with the sober livings. But at the, the, the tail end of uh, 2020, um, I start getting into the wanting to get into an insurance thing. And I start pushing towards that direction. I meet with a, uh, who is, she is now my business partner. 
Um, and she had a vision. I had a vision. She wanted to do women's houses. I had no interest, but I told her I would help her out. And she had an extensive background in doing the uh, insurance not insurance, but she knew how to teach groups. She knew the background and had done all of the positions and knew all of the right people. So we teamed up and we met these two other gentlemen and we made this company that was going to be able to take insurance. So uh, August, I met her in October, we met them and we started this company in 2020 in November. And we were, we started taking clients and we started doing the insurance thing. Um, and I can kind of get into, I can get into some of that. So I kind of, I still do the sober living thing. It's an easy way to entry and just let you guys know I'm arbitraging the most, I mean, the most of these properties I'm arbitraging, meaning I am renting these out to do the business that I'm doing. Um, so all my sober livings were arbitrage in the beginning. And then when we get into this, um, when I get into the insurance side of things, majority of it is arbitrage. So getting into the insurance thing, the sober living thing, just to kind of throw numbers out there, I was getting $700 um, a month per client, and you can put up to 10 clients into uh, a, a sober living. When you get to the insurance side of things, there's a lot of steps you have to take to get to the insurance side of things. Once you get to the insurance side of things, you have it's uh, based on the uh, services you provide. So if you're doing art therapy, music therapy, one-on-one therapy, group therapy, pet therapy, there's multiple different fashions you can do when it comes to uh, those, when it comes to the treatment side of things and the insurance side of things. Um, and just to give you kind of, for instance, man, um, you can get uh, anywhere from, if you take state funded insurance, you can get anywhere from uh, $200 a day to $1,000 a day and up per client. When you get into private insurance, crazy, crazy, crazy money, um, a place where my wife was working, they were getting anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 a day per person for the insurances. And it just based on what you provide, what kind of, what direction you go. And I mean, mind you to get in contract with these insurance company is not easy. You have to have a, a, a steady company. You have to have doctors, nurses, lawyers, therapists, all these things in place to go to that direction, but it's worth it. Uh, the company that we started in 2020 in November, our first year between us and our business partners, we did $19 million in our first year. And we had over 70 employees in our first year. So massive action, massive <laughs> growth in our first year. Dude, and you're trying to tell me you didn't become El Chapo. that's insane first off congratulations because i mean a team that big 70 employees like that's scaling that's that's a lot of work that's that takes team that takes effort that takes a lot of commitment that's not just you looking at yourself that's you having to take care of other people so that's massive man congratulations holy crap that's a big scale the go from like a single rent and that all started with a single rental arbitrage single rental uh today uh with that company we have over 35 properties um and again that's uh multiple businesses under one umbrella to get to that number we we have a uh, many, many things we do, uh, detoxes, clinics, rehabs, inpatients, outpatients, and we grew that all in a year. But again, we had to put the right people in the right places. And I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I'm a visionary. I am not the integrator. I can see 10 steps ahead. So I knew exactly what I wanted. And my business partner, she is amazing. Uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for her. She knew all of the right people. You can say she was the integrator that knew how to do the clinical side of things and plugged all the right people in to grow to this massive, um, massive, as massive and as fast as we did. Man, I love that. So I actually have like, two. I got a lot of questions, but I'm going to keep it at two because I can literally like ask about this all the time. And we're probably going to end up having to do a second episode 
because <laughs> seriously, like this is some impressive stuff. And I don't know a lot about sober living at all. So I want to know from the side of the sober living, right? You know, I, I feel like it has a negative, um, like people just kind of look at it and it's like, they immediately think it's going to be too much trouble. It's going to be too much stress. Um, you know, what is the most common misconception with the sober living? And I just want to make sure that there's a clear, uh, a, a clear separation. Sober living, um, that sober living, the housing is a, uh, their self-pay. You get about 175 a week. You get 10 people in a house over on the, the other thing that I was talking about the insurance is behavioral health homes. We only put about five guys in, but again, with both of them, you get that stigma, especially if you're arbitraging. And my thing is on, on both levels, I have a staff member that lives in, it's a live-in position that's there 24-7 that overlooks everything to make sure it doesn't get crazy, nothing like that. In the two years, two plus years that I've been doing this, the worst things that I can think of that have actually happened is uh, they were horse playing, somebody stuck an elbow through a wall but they ended up fixing it themselves because they knew drywall and then somebody couldn't, they didn't have a key to get in. So they broke a window to get in, but uh, the stigma, um, these guys are sober. And again, it's a little mastermind for these guys. We're providing a sober environment for these folks. Um, If you think about it, some of these guys don't have the best backgrounds, but all these guys have aspirations and they want to do better. And you're providing a sober environment for these guys. And again, because of their felonies or because of their background, they can't get a traditional housing, nor maybe that's not what they need right now. If you just did an inpatient program, 30, 60, 90 days, and this is your first time on your own trying to be sober, you want to surround yourself with other sober people. So it's just that step in between from an inpatient rehab to getting your own place. You need that middle ground. And the way that I tell people, I mean, is like, hey, I'm helping these folks out. It's, I mean, I have a whole like script if you're trying to sell it to an arbitrage, but it's, we're helping people. We're in the game of helping people. And once you uh, have these people put them in a position, like you're going to help out so many people. And I mean, there's ways that you are more appealing to your average renter. I pay on time. I will fix anything under a thousand dollars. I'll fix it myself. You're not going to get phone calls from me at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, if our AC goes out, you will be the phone call, but we're taking care of all that. And we can pay you $200 in over than what you were asking. So, I mean, it's appealing, especially in the realm that we're in to these investors. Um, it's appealing to them, but to your average uh, rental owner, uh, there's ways that you can make it appealing and it does have a bad stigma, but nothing bad has happened. Crazy. Um, the houses are all in great condition. They even, we have chores that they have to do daily. So, I mean, they're, it's clean, it's upkept. And as long as you have a strong management team and strong rules in place, nothing much happens. Man, I love that because honestly, it sounds almost like it's very similar to the conversation that individuals that I know that are in the Airbnb space have with the homeowners where it's like, Hey, look, we're actually going to take care of your house better than your traditional tenant, right? Because this is in our best interest. We're running a business here. And on top of that, I like what you added, they're adding a purpose. And I think I agree with you wholeheartedly that when you give, I personally believe when you give people an opportunity to do better, most of the time they will do better on occasion. You're still going to get a knucklehead, right? But most people I think genuinely will take that opportunity to be better and do better if you give it to them and if you expect that from them. So that's cool. So I'm curious as well to know from your point of view, what's one of the more challenging aspects that you just couldn't even anticipate until after you got into the space? I mean, again, just growing as fast as we did, it was trials and tribulations. And uh, my business partner and I were in the business of helping as many people as possible. And we don't know how to say no. And with if they say, hey, we want to come to your program, we'll just open up another house. And, and now we're sitting back a year later, we're putting the right systems and processes in place. But it was just, uh, it's a lot of different personalities and a lot of people in their first month of trying to live sober and 
not only do we help the individual out, we got mommy and me homes, we have daddy and me homes, we have LGBTQ homes, we have all these different homes. And it's just uh, like the mommy and me, they're not only learning how to be sober, but they're learning how to be sober and become a mom at the same time. So uh, just learning the personalities, learning uh, steps in between, um, learning the logistics of the insurance world, because now you're in, you're messing with the insurance companies, you're, you're messing with state legislation, your state laws and things that you can and can't do. And there's a lot of red tape once you get over to this side of things. Man, it's a lot, honestly, like, that's crazy. Like, it's, it's cool, though, because like, it came from an organic start. And as I'm thinking about it, like, the catalyst was like, you know, really like you were a big part of the catalyst of just like, go, 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 you know, feed into it. And then also giving back, like it's this positive flux of give and go, give and get. So insane. So I'm curious, what do you see for the future? Like, what are you guys working on currently? If there is like, is there a roadmap for the future? Or trajectory? Uh, ab- absolutely, man. Again, I'm a, a visionary and, um, just with the the crew that we have here in Arizona, Paces, Sub 2 Group, all of those students, I'm now known as the sober investor. So if somebody has a question about a sober living, a group home, behavioral health home, women's home, all fall under one umbrella. A lot of times these guys are reaching out to me and they want to do and emulate what I'm doing here where they're at in different states. I've had people from Texas, um, North Carolina, Florida, Alabama, all of these different places want to emulate what I'm doing and let want to do it out there. So uh, I want to expand right now. Uh, one of my companies is expanding to Nevada. So that's going to be huge, but I want to uh, teach more people about what I'm doing because it, it not only are it, are you, it's a gratification. You get to help hundreds of people on a daily basis that touch all of their families. You're, you're helping hundreds of thousands of people on a weekly basis. Um, and it, it's fulfilling. You're helping out so many and you're also growing a business that's just going to help people. So I want to teach people about what I'm doing so they can uh, also emulate what I'm doing and uh, go down the same path I'm doing so they can help out people. They can also help out their family and they can help out somebody else. Cause again, it's a mind of abundance. There's so many people out there that need the help. So I want to show people so they can also help in the same way that I am. I love that. And I think we're going to like, that'll be something we talk about in the future where it's just recognizing that when your business model actually provides more value, when it actually like has a purpose, it tends to be more lucrative from different businesses. I've seen different business models. I've seen different strategies. I've seen used the ones that purposefully go out to benefit as many people as possible in a more direct way, end up actually producing more income. And I don't think that's an accident. I think there's a direct correlation between, I know there's a direct correlation between the amount of value you provide and the amount of money you receive. So that's awesome. And again, the go-giver. So I'm trying to give as much value as possible. And uh, in this industry, it's just like in the behavioral health world, it's just like the vaping industry. Everybody thinks they have the golden goose egg. They're not going to give you their secret sauce. Oh, I don't want you taking my client and me. I'm out here. Yeah, I'll I'll do this for you. You want to know how to do that? Come over here. I'll do that. And all those people that weren't, didn't give me the time or day when I wanted their help to learn how to do this thing, they all shut me down. There was only three people that actually opened up their business to me and showed me a little bit about it, but it gave me more motivation. All those people that told me, no, it gave me more motivation to do this and find out how to do this on my my own. And now, I mean, I I'm willing to open up my business and open up everything except for those few people that denied me in the beginning that said, you'll find your own way. I do reply to those few people. Hey, you'll find your own way, but anybody else I'm still, uh, I'm an open book. I want to help as many people as possible. And, uh, the way to do that. I mean, I, we could see pace Morby is laying the blueprint for freaking everybody on the go giver, the guys, it's mind blowing. I actually just signed up for the course just for the, the, um, people in it, man. So, um, I'm trying to give back and get more people, even though I've met uh, thousands and thousands of people in the real estate world and networking world, I'm not saying I'm unique. I have not met anybody doing what I'm doing and I want more people out there, uh, 
doing this. So, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say you're unique, man. When you like said the number the other day, it's like 19 million. We're like, what the heck? I think you said something like about $80,000 in a month. And we're just like, who else is getting anywhere close to that with any of their rentals? Like nobody's hands went up. And it's people are like, "Eh, really? And I'm just like, I mean, it takes, there's a few steps in between to actually get there. And your mind, your heart has to be in the right place. If you're just here for a money grab, you're not going to last. If you really want to help somebody and you want to put your hand out to somebody, that's when this, uh, when you actually succeed in this business. I agree, man. There's so much to unpack with you. I'm like, I'm, I want to be cautious about the time and I want to be respectful of your time, but like, I can already say like, if you're up for it, we're going to have you back on for a round two, because there's so much to unpack. And I want to know, right. You know, I have a couple of questions that I always like to ask people at the end of the show. Right. But this one's going to be a little bit more unique towards you because you are a giver. I want to know what's something that you can use help with. Like what's something that as somebody's listening to this and they're like, Hey, you know, I think I can provide some value. Like what's some value that you may be looking for or that could be useful to help aid the mission right now. Um, and you helped me out with it. I did uh, share in our mastermind that I want to get my story out there and thank you for giving me on this podcast. Um, the thing that I'm, I'm not struggling with, I'm a self-motivator, but I'm a visionary, but in this two years, what I've been able to create, I really haven't had that integrator. Um, I need help with, I'm not the most organized, the systems, the processes, the integrator and hiring high level people. Um, I'm always looking for help in that area of things. I love that. So it's like, guys, as you're listening, if you know someone, if you're like, oh my gosh, like I know the perfect person or I am the perfect person, I would recommend reach out to Patrick. Like, and I'm going to have his contact info at the end. Like we're going to dive into that. But before we dive into that, Patrick, I want to know, cause I'm always reading books. Like I feel like my mindset was able to be shifted in my personal life through meeting right people and reading books, but the books ultimately led me to the people, the books like gave me this little trail to go find other like-minded individuals. So I don't know if you enjoy reading a lot. I mean, I know you do, you've got the go-giver. So besides the go-giver, right. Can you name one to two other books, no more than two that were complete paradigm shifts for you. They changed your life in a way that you've never quite gone back to being the same since. The one um, is called uh, The Miracle Morning, man. So, dude, what the heck? uh, I give everything to that. So I kind of skipped over that. So Steve Trang, once you're in his brokerage, you have free access to him uh, since you're part of his brokerage. So every Tuesday, he would pay for a mentorship program. And then I get to ask all these dumb questions that a new beginner gets to ask. I get to ask it to him. And in the beginning, Steve Trang, I didn't know it at the time, but he was slowly pushing me to get in the right mindset. He gave me the miracle morning. He said, read this. And the quote that stuck with me, two things that stuck with me about Steve Trang, I read the miracle morning. And after reading the miracle morning, I was like, all right, Steve, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. now. He's like, oh, that's okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like millionaires wake up at 5 a.m. But if you want to be a billionaire, you have to wake up at 4 a.m. And I was like, dang. So I started waking up at 4.30. It was a happy medium. Uh, and then another thing he said, he stuck with me. He, uh, his goal is to make 100 millionaires. And he told me, um, I reached out to him. I was like, how do I become one of your 100 millionaires? He said, give me three years. So I made it a goal to uh, to beat that. And I did it in half the time. Um, but the Miracle Morning and Go-Giver are the two books. And the AA, I mean, if you are thinking maybe, but um, the AA, um, Blue Book, uh, the 12 steps of AA also changed everything for me. And it has a lot of the same principles that you learn in all of the business books, but go giver in the miracle morning for sure. Man. I, I love that. I love the tenacity. I love the fact that you came in and you actually capitalized on those opportunities. And again, like you're the epitome from what I'm seeing is of taking the shot, right? Like actually taking the shot, actually speaking up and just saying like, yo, teach me, show me this, right? And then following through. And that's where the value is, right? The value is you make a promise and then you actually deliver on whatever the promises you made. So let me ask you this, right? I love asking this question of 
everybody. It's like my favorite question to ask people. Let's imagine tomorrow morning you wake up, right? And when you're waking up, you are just a total blank slate. Like you don't remember anything. You don't remember the years from your childhood. You don't remember going through sober living. You don't remember the sober homes. You don't remember the relationships, the connections, the books you've read, none of it. However, as you start to wake up and come to consciousness, you know, you're in a safe place. You're not freaking out. It's not a saw movie. No one's here to hurt you. You start to have a thought come to your mind. And this thought that comes to your mind is immediately just accepted as truth. Like you don't question it. It is just solid for you. No one can make you doubt it. What would you ideally want that thought to be? So that thought is, again, it has to do with mindset. Uh, If I woke up and the first thought that I would hope to have, and if I forgot everything, what I would hope to have is, how do I make today the best day possible? And how many people and how can I make somebody else's life better? And how many people can I, lives can I make better today? I like that. I like that a lot. You know, I think with that mindset, you know, it explains why you're having the success you're having currently. And I'm looking forward to seeing you grow more. And I'm looking forward to having you back on this show because we got, we got a lot more mindset to dive into with you. So Patrick, for people that now are just like, holy cow, this dude is freaking insane. Like he's done some really cool stuff. Like the so AKA the sober investor, like Patrick, where can they go to find you? Where can they go to connect with you? Uh, Soberinvestor.net is, uh, has all of my stuff on there. Uh, you can follow me on social media at uh, the sober investor on Instagram and Facebook uh, Patrick Leggins off. Uh, you guys can also call me 901-228-0269. Uh, again, and I'm also the founder and president of a nonprofit called Soul Revival Inc. And that is our mission is to help out anybody and everybody uh, help them out with homelessness. Get it. We have a food pantry where we help with food. Uh, all of you uh, folks that are doing uh, wholesaling and getting these properties with furniture, if you can donate, you can donate that f- furniture to us and we can write that off for you in your taxes. Uh, we're always looking for monetary uh, and uh, for you to help in any way possible that you can. And you can find us at soulrevivalinc.org on that one. And um, yeah, that's how you guys can find me. I love that. And I'm going to have the link in the, the comment section and the description below for everybody. So you could just go down there and click it and connect with Patrick. And I got to say, Patrick, man, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you sharing the most valuable thing you have, which is your time and your story and your true self. I am absolutely looking forward to working with you in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing you grow and I'm looking forward to connecting more, man. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me on this. Thank you for what you're doing, man. Uh, The mindset is what totally changed everything for me um, is being in the right mindset to uh, not also give, but also receive and um, planning out your day in the beginning of the day, time blocking your day, having a purpose and things to hit in the beginning of your day changed everything for me. So I'm glad you're doing the mindset thing and also incorporate where they're at now. It's an amazing thing. And I thank you for the opportunity. Dude, of course. All right, everybody, we'll catch you on the next episode. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Okay, guys. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean, anything. If one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below. Let people know what that thing was. Let us know what it was. We do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend. That is how we help each other, okay? The best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow. Send that out to your friends. Help them grow. Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe. Make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.